welcome back, film friends, to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm Eve Brannigan. And I'm Jerry Maguire. And we are going to bring you all the latest news on Irish film before handing you over to our interview today with Benjamin Cleary and Rebecca Burke. Hello, Jerry. Um, since we were speaking last, you hosted the screening and a little Q&A of Love Yourself Today. How did that go? Mm. Oh, my God. That was such a nice experience. It's just a really, really nice thing to happen. And did Damien sing? Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> he God. gave us a little, um, a little acapella number um, on stage. Um, so special. Yeah, it was. Honestly, a really good crowd. We were at the Killing in Kilburn again. We've been there twice this year now. Um, we had Ross, uh, Ross Killeen, the director, and, and Damo there on stage with us. Um, a really good, lively Q&A, which um, there was a lot of audience participation from. It's kind of this special thing where like, Damo's fans are really, really engaged. So a lot of people who were in the audience like Demo actually knew them, oh, like personally, nice. and there's people who would take the microphone and ask a question or, or or shout something out in the course of the of the the discussion, and he'd just be like, "Ah, oh, it's yourself." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. It's really. That's such an extra layer. Like, yeah. Oh, that you don't normally get at Q and A's, and it's also it's great that it went well because sometimes Q and A's can go south. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've had bad Q and A's as well. Like, um, yeah, and I'm not sure if I've had more bads or more goods, but yeah, yeah it was good anyway. Oh, good, um, good. And what are you watching at the moment? So, I've been doing a lot of programming for um, St Patrick's Day um, for our Patrick's Day festival, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So, I haven't been able to sort of sit and watch very many things, but I did catch up with. The new I tried to catch up with the new series of Raised by Wolves, um, which has Neve Algar in it and a really great cast, Ridley Scott um, produced sci-fi show that I'm really into. Um, so what happened was I said decided, okay, there's like four episodes of season two available now. Um, I'll go and sort of catch up and, and see where I am. But it's been long enough since I watched the first season that I, I said to myself, I'll go and have a little recap, looked up a little recap video. And at a certain point in the recap video, I realised I didn't. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I don't belong here. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So it turns out I, I thought I had finished season one because um, all the episodes end on these great cliffhangers. Mm. Um, and it got to a certain point, and I, I kind of walked away from the, from the screen and went, well have to wait till next year to find out how that plays out but no I actually missed like at least a whole episode from the end of season one so and did you give yourself loads of spoilers yeah 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 Uh. in this recap it was like um, the guy does this and then he has to go and find these things and then and he kills and I'm like what (laughs) no okay so I am actually caught up with season one of Raised by Wolves now and my plan is to get up to date with season two this week if I can where can you watch Raised by Wolves? So it's on HBO Max. So if you have access to HBO or HBO Max on any of your streaming services or channels, then you can catch it there. That's, that's the best way to, to find it, I think. There's yeah, obviously I, obviously great stuff on HBO. I definitely need to catch up with that one. I Yeah, I'm myself the same. Like I haven't really had a chance to kind of really sit down and uh, 
get my teeth into anything, but I did last night go to the opening gala of the um, Dublin Film Festival, which mm. was really, really cool back in Cine World. And it was like a full, a full cinema. Um, and the opening film was on Colleen Kuhn, uh, which was beautiful. It was wow. really, really special. Like it was, it's such a gorgeous example of really simple storytelling Mm. I think in a way I kind of had this because of all the hype about it and stuff I kind of had this big spectacle in my head I kind of didn't really know what to expect yeah and I was really kind of touched by actually just how lovely and simple it was um and it just hit all the right beats it was really lovely I'm really looking forward to more people seeing it mm. um, and uh, and it's gotten loads of nominations in the IFTAs as well which is it lovely. has yeah yeah so that's something that we should talk about as well so mm. and Colin Kuhn is a, a film that I'm I'm dying to see so I'm, I'm a low-key jealous of your ability <laughs> to go to Dublin and watch that last night the, the first ever Irish language film to open the film festival which is yeah. very cool yeah I think the first Irish language film to play at the Berlinale as well I think we mentioned that last time um, yeah and I'm sure that like the the firsts will keep coming you know I'm sure mm. that the, the pins will keep keep getting knocked down for that one um, but yeah it's it's done really well in the IFTAs hasn't it mm-hmm. like, yeah so it, um, on Colleen Kewen and Belfast both have 10 nominations which yeah. is amazing 10 nominations each which is um, pretty incredible I think on Colleen Kuhn is well, I'm, I'm kind of assuming from what I hear in the industry that it's going to do really well at the IFTAs Belfast obviously is just storming everything that it touches right now mm. um, with 10, 10 nominations it's worth mentioning that the, I, I said this on Twitter during the week but I think this is quite special the IFTAs um, in the lead actor category they nominated Jude Hill for Belfast and it just gave me pause for thought like Jude is obviously the lead actor in Belfast he's like he's the young the young actor that plays the little boy in Belfast um, and he's obviously the lead actor he's in every scene it's um, it's something that it's something that is quite clear if you've seen the film that he is the lead but we don't really talk about him that much yeah maybe because he's not a big name yet and maybe or maybe because he's a kid yeah it is a funny one even with on Colleen Kewen last night the young mm. girl in it um, the the kind of cast and crew gave a little intro and uh, and they all said you know this is it's for her and they well the director kind of said in um, he said you know the the film kind of rests on her shoulders which is mm. a lot of pressure but he was like you've done it now so it's fine there's no pressure but it really kind of is like these kind of child stars come out and I think there is that you are anxious about putting too much pressure on them or putting too much spotlight on them Yeah. but also you want to really appreciate how incredible they are like in Belfast he just carries the whole film I really like, really think that it's he's just fantastic so it's really nice to see him yeah. yeah absolutely it puts me in mind as well of um do you remember Woody Norman? He's the young actor who was in uh, Bruno mm. a couple of years back with uh, with Dermot Murta, and um, he's in that f- that new film, Come On, Come On, with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. You know, like he's a young actor who I th- well, I think he, I think Woody gets a bit more recognition, but obviously, like uh, the roles that he's playing are so meaty. Yeah. You know, they're so substantial, and you do wonder. I, I think it's more special for a child um, to pull something like that off, obviously. 
Brilliant. Yeah. That's really impressive. I'm a bit like, uh, I'll pack it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, there are actually a couple of other films that got IFTA nominations as well. <laughs> like, yeah, most, exactly. Mostly it's just Belfast and I'm Colin Kuhn, but there are a couple of others as well. Mm-hmm. And to go along with this podcast, Swan Song got six nominations. It did. Which is very cool. And then another film that we were saying earlier that we've kind of missed a little bit that we're definitely going to need to have a look at mm. is um, Who We Love also got six nominations. Yeah, like that film has actually, um, I'm, I'm at pains to admit it, but I actually didn't really know about it until mm. I saw it in the IFTAs. So that's definitely a blind spot for me. Well, I think it's always nice though when stuff like that pops up and you're like, oh, because you know, it's getting recognized in that way. Do you know what I mean? You're not kind of, yeah. it's nice that stuff, it's not like, oh yeah, sure, I, I know who's going to be nominated, you know? So when stuff right. pops yeah. up like that, it's always quite nice. But there's loads of like the uh, nominations for um, leading actor, we've got Angeline Ball, Neve Algar, Gemma Leah, all of which we have had on the podcast already. So if anyone's listening and fancies going back and listening to those, definitely do. And then with the males as well, there's Aaron Monaghan, Redemption of a Rogue, Mo Dunford, Donald Healy. I mean, like just so much talent. And we've we've had them all on already. We're gonna need to have them back on again, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Donald O'Healy podcast during the festival was was really good. Um, Aaron Monaghan's episode um, was was really funny actually, mm. in that darkly funny way that Redemption Redemption of a Rogue is. Yeah, definitely worth checking those out again. Yeah, it's a really really strong year, I think, and I'm very excited to to uh, to see who's going to win. But also, and then staying on that kind of same vein, then the Oscar nominations. Belfast has just absolutely. Oh, did, Be- did Belfast get a- oh to get yeah. Oscar nominations? Did it? It's not here. Yeah, oh, I wasn't aware that. Yeah, seven of them, seven Oscar nominations as well. That's amazing. Like amazing, it's really really cool. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Kieran Hines and you know like loads of and also kind of behind the scenes stuff as well for Belfast. But yeah. then also we have Jesse Buckley in there nominated for The Lost Daughter, which is really cool. That is really really cool. Yeah. Mm. Um. The Lost Daughter is really powerful. For Mm -hmm. like I think as a debut as a directorial debut from Maggie Gyllenhaal it's 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 a really special film I think it's it's quite brave as well yeah I was gonna say it's 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 a taboo subject right yeah yeah so it's really cool to see it getting recognition and Jessie getting recognition because she's obviously brilliant as well and actually, Paul Meskel's in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> we like Paul. We like we do. We do. We do. So, what's next for Irish Film London? We've got our St. Patrick's Day Festival coming up. We do. Yeah. So um, that's the reason why I haven't been able to watch many things really because I've been trying to put that together. So we've got a little festival coming up, which is taking place in cinemas online as usual, but also, and this is quite important and special, we're back in Trafalgar Square this year for St. Patrick's Day in London. Um, Praying that it won't rain <laughs> and sleet and snow like before. Right, yeah. It'll be my first year on, on Trafalgar Square, yeah. actually. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it in lots of ways. But um, yeah, it's everyone's first year since 2019. Um, you may remember in 2020, if you're a follower of what we do or if you're um, part of that environment of Irish culture in London, that the St. Patrick's Day parade and Trafalgar Square Festival is like a big event in the city every year Um, we sort of paint the town green like they do in New York and and lots of different places 
but it was one of the first major events to get shut down in 2020 when um, when COVID came along. And I think after that, it wasn't long before almost everything else was being shut down. Yeah, um, we were really, really ready to go. And uh, I remember Kelly, just she just had to make the call kind of like yeah. the day before. Yeah. And then also, but that was the birth then of Irish Film From Home, which is really yeah. cool. So yeah, that's well. This is true. Maybe maybe all these things have happened for for certain reasons. Yeah. But uh, but it's exciting to be going back. So it's the usual usual festivities. Big parade that starts off at Hyde Park and comes down to Trafalgar Square. Um, the big stage at Trafalgar Square and the giant screen. We've got short films that are going to be on that screen throughout the day, which is really super exciting. There's opportunities for filmmakers to see their work up there on a massive screen in front of, I think it's 8,000 people is the capacity in there. Wow. We've got a little stall, we're going to be there. You might be, might see some celebs, might see some Irish uh, Irish movie celebs if you come down to the stall. That's a sort of a cryptic thing for an activity that we're doing, but um, yeah, Ooh. I'm not going to give it away until, until we get get there and uh, yeah and of course we're in the cinemas and we're on Irish Film From Home so we've got a couple of really exciting feature films that we're putting on um, we are screening what I believe to be the UK premiere of Fosca um, the new Irish language feature from um, it's a debut feature from Sean Brechna um, features Don Healy is set in Connemara Fosca was the film selected by um, IFTA to represent Ireland in the Oscar foreign language category um, this year gone by and has been honoured with IFTA nominations this year as well um, so it's extra special to see it in there um, we're really looking forward to that that's playing at a lovely little independent cinema called Catford Muse oh, which is in southeast London and it's a beautiful little three screen indie cinema um, with loads of little uh foodie stalls and street food things and, and, a, and a great bar and um, it's kind of tucked away in a, in a an old shopping precinct that's being slowly redeveloped um, oh, and it's a, cool. a really beautiful venue that we're, we're happy to be in. We haven't done much in Lugosham before so it's quite nice to be there. We're back there um, later on in the weekend for a screening of Secret of Kells so um, that's probably, I think we started about a year ago with Wolf Walkers, we did Song of the Sea later on that year, mm-hmm. and now we're doing The Secret of Kells. So we're kind of doing, it's the la- in, in reverse order, it's the last yeah. of the trilogy of cartoon saloon features. Um, and that's got the usual kids activity with it. Um, Cabotar Arts are going to come down and do um, a nice craft workshop with us um, in the foyer at Catford Muse. So then on Monday the 14th, we are over in Riverside Studios in Hammersmith, where the Irish Film Festival London was held in November, for a really special screening of the new film Wolf. Um, Wolf is the second feature by Natalie Biancheri. It features George Mackay and Lily Rose Depp, uh, Paddy Considine in the lead roles. Um, our friends Lola Pettigrew and Fiona O'Shea are in there, um, as well as a number of other great Irish cast. It's a film that was shot almost entirely in Dublin. The first film to shoot during the pandemic, I think, but it's a really special film. And uh, fingers crossed, we'll get the director, Natalie, and hopefully um, some of the cast down to that screening as well. 
Um, so take a look uh, for all that. Um, oh my God, details. so much. There's loads of stuff, yeah. All the details of that should be up on the Irish Film London website, irishfilmlondon.com. Um, sign up to our newsletter to stay in touch with us and find out what, what's going on. Um, and take a look at our socials at Irish Film London to stay abreast of all of the developments. Um, and I'm going to mention as well, before I forget, Irish Film From Home has got two really special short film programmes that are playing during the festival and they're going to stay up for the rest of the month after that. Um, a feature a documentary programme and a fiction programme. Um, so, so check those out as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. That is so great. That's so exciting. So nice to be back. St. Patrick's Day Festival, Irish Film London are coming back to festivities. It's going to be brilliant. Well, I think it's time to hand our listeners over to the interview. We hope you enjoy it and I will chat to you soon, Jerry. Chat you later, Nate. Bye. If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. joined by writer and director Benjamin Cleary and producer Rebecca Burke to chat about their stunning new film Swan Song. So thank you both so much for coming on to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Ben, you're in LA and Rebecca, you're here in Ireland as well. So an an international call. Thanks for having us on, Neve. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. No worries. It's both of your first features and what an exciting feature first feature um I gave a brief intro about the film before which means that we can just dive straight in which is great so Ben I'll start with you and um asking about the inspiration behind Swan Song and I guess kind of how long the process took from getting it from script to screen yeah wow um long process about five years um I started writing this I had the idea about 10 years ago when I was in film school and the initial idea and then actually finally started writing it about five years ago after I pitched it to my team and they said that they thought this is the one we should try and make the first feature um I where it came from I suppose like all my ideas tend to bubble up from real life um experiences that I've had even if like this, you know, it's a completely imagined um, premise and film. Uh, I sort of tend to, 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 it tends to build off something that's happened to me. And what, you know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, I lost a few friends that were, um, you know, it was uh, sudden and, and sort of in, in, in tragic circumstances. And um, I just, I saw, you know, and, and felt the ripples of grief that spread out when something like that happens to everyone who's left behind and what it's like to have now goodbye. And then in the years that followed after that, I I, I think I started to just constantly think about um, that, you know, and worry about, well, what, what would happen if someone else I loved passed away or what would happen to my family if something happened to me to the point where I think I was kind of catastrophizing about it and, and it was becoming this sort of cycle, you know, where I was just, it was really affecting me, I think. And um, you know, didn't didn't go see anyone or anything like that. You know, back then, I don't think I knew anyone who was kind of 
doing therapy or anything like that back in Ireland or anything. I think that's changed now for the better, which is which is good. But back then that wasn't kind of not that it wasn't an option. It just what it didn't occur to me as, as an option, I think. So anyway, long winded way of saying that I think this film all came about from those experiences and when the premise popped into my head, even though it's completely imagined, I saw that in it, I saw what I was kind of exploring, knew it was going to be a pretty painful one to, to explore. And I think that's probably one of the reasons it took me so long to write it and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of the process of, of it coming into fruition. Did you find kind of that you kind of took breaks in it? You know, you stepped away from it and went back to it. Did you find it was kind of like healing in a way, along with, I imagine, quite a lot of stress down the line? It was it was deep. Yeah, it was very cathartic, actually, the whole process, I think, the whole five years um, in the sense that, like, you know, I had to sort of just think back on things that I hadn't thought back on, you know, or had kind of um just really tried to block out and so that was difficult I definitely remember there being moments where like I'd be riding and then it would just really affect me or something and I just sort of I'd get like anxious or, or things like that and I it was it was a really it was a really strange thing but I've, I've kind of like said I've sort of joked before of saying like the whole five-year process feels like a really long overdue form of like self-therapy or something um which is yeah whatever you know but it's like kind of it's just it's been a it's been even on set there were times where like I think there were times where all of us had a moment or two on set where we just got really hit by it and I think that was one of the things that I found from from writing a story that comes from a personal place like that you know I think that it people were people were finding their own connections to it and it felt like that the fact that I poured a lot of that into it actually meant that people were receiving it in a way that that felt sort of personal and we all were kind of finding our own way that we were we were sort of personally affected by it or something and and that that manifested quite a bit on in the um on the shoot where 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 different people at various times would really find that they were personally hit by it and and that was that was quite strong actually I think and it spoke to the the yeah that process of really just going in personal and then and not being afraid to put that emotion into your script I think definitely I because I think I don't think there's going to be one person that's going to watch the film and not think you know would I do this or I would have loved to say goodbye to someone or have last chat with someone or like it just opens up so much relatability and, and questions in the audience it's it really is fantastic so Rebecca how did you then um come in on the project and what attracted you to the project um, well, Ben and I have been working together for uh, a few years and then he uh, sent me the script and like, I remember exactly where I was, exactly when it was. Um, I sat down and I didn't stand up until I'd finished it. Uh, I really connected with it. I would, we share some of the friends he's referring to. Um, so it really resonated with me. Um, and as you said, like, I don't think anyone can get through it and not relate to it. You know, it's um, it deals with so much. And it's funny, I met a filmmaker earlier today. He said to me, he just watched it last night. He absolutely loved it. Um, and he just said to me, like, he sat through the entire thing and he he was focusing and watching the movie. But he was also like, oh, what would I do? Like, would I do this? Um, and his uh, his partner is quite sick at the moment. So he just said it's it really really resonated with him. So I think the great thing about it is that everyone can relate to it. You know, we've all, 
loved and we've all lost, unfortunately, and it's part of life. And um, so it's, uh, I've just realized you asked me a question. I'm not even answering for you. No, you are. No, you absolutely. Because I, <laughs> I did ask, what did you, what attracted yeah. you to, to Well, the that's project. what attracted exactly. me to. That's what attracted me to. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent. But, um, and then, so Ben and I obviously have been working together for years. And then he, so he sent me the script and, um, uh, anonymous content uh, are like represent Ben and they had come on board as, as the production company studio as well. Um, and uh, Ben uh, proposed me as a, a producer to them. So I'm very lucky. Uh, took a little bit of persuasion, but they eventually came round. <laughs> good, and, good. Uh, yeah. And I just feel very, very lucky. It was a, it was a challenging um, project, but it was the best thing I've ever worked on in my life, even though it was hard, it was uh, incredible. And we learned so much. Um, and now that a bit of time has passed, a little bit of time, you know, and you're able to step away, I'm full of pride and uh, can't wait to get stuck in again. <laughs> Good. Well, they do say, I think they do say, if it doesn't cost you anything, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. So um, that's definitely very, very clear. But I think that, I think the dilemma itself and the the premise of the film is so fresh and new you know they always kind of say oh everything's already been told it's just kind of how you tell it but I, I don't think this has been told or really kind of dived into at all so obviously you have um an amazing cast which was just like just blown away by the performances that were in it so Ben kind of what was that casting process like did you have these particular actors in mind or did it just kind of all start clicking together as the as you got closer and closer to production um <clears throat> I know I've never written with any actors in mind it hasn't been part of my process um certainly when I was writing it I didn't think I was going to end up getting a master like Mahershala Ali or or just the wonderful you know Naomi Harris Glenn Close, um, Aquafina, Adam Beach, like, you know, basically I just got my first choice in every, um, in every role. So that's just a dream. And I think it's very rare to get that. So I just feel really lucky and, and privileged that that happened. Um, the process was, um, it was great, actually. It was, it was, we, so I'd flown out to LA um, and pitched it. So in, in the space of a week, I think I came out, I pitched it to Apple, and they uh, they were into it. That I think the day of the pitch, they got straight back and said, we want to make it. It was amazing. The relationship, a really, really great relationship started from that moment in. They they loved the script. They said they loved it and they stayed true to their word all the way through. They, they never tried to make me to turn it into something else, you know, which could easily have happened because you could take this premise and make a very different film, you know, much more action-y tr thriller or something like that. That was never on the cards. But um. But yeah, so I pitched it and then and then we'd managed to get it into Mahershala's hands somehow. He's represented by Anonymous, so I think it happened that way. And um, I wasn't expecting anything, but I got word back, I think like the day after I pitched to Apple or a couple of days after saying he loved the script, wanted to meet. And I was like, whoa, because like I just adore his work. You know, I, I think he's just one of the best actors out there. And so that was a pinch yourself moment. And then I read the script with him in mind I think it was a night before we met and I was so close to the material. I'd been so close to it for a while. I'd lost objectivity and it was just, I couldn't really see it, but I read it with his voice in mind and him in mind. And like suddenly the whole thing just came to life again. It was, it was amazing. I was weeping at scenes I hadn't gotten emotional about for like a year or two. So that was amazing. And then I met him and, you know, walked into the room back in the day when um, you could actually, you know, 
physically go into spaces and meet people in in in, um, in person. And it was just, it was brilliant. Just from the first minute or two, all of my nerves about meeting such a big star and such a legend um, went away because he's such a great soul and just such a lovely person. And then we just, we sat and we had one of those amazing couple hours of kind of chatting and getting to know each other, speaking about the script, speaking about life though, connections to it, like all those kind of things. I just knew I was sitting across from someone really, really special, like how he was speaking about the character and just about everything I was I was just getting more and more energized and so that was the start of the casting process um getting at the end of the meeting rehearsal I said I want to do the movie there was no like stuff after whatever he just went let's do this and so that was that was kind of just incredible and then from then on when you when you when you're lucky enough to get someone like Mahershala to sign up to the movie it changes the entire casting process because every actor wants to work with Mahershala, you know? So you're able to get the script into the hands of people you just wouldn't have had a chance to. So after that, it was quite, it was quite, um, I wouldn't say easy, like casting is tricky and there was loads of roles and all that kind of stuff, but it was certainly made a lot easier by his involvement. And Mahershala was producer as well, which was really helpful for us. Um, and it went from there, you know, like um, Naomi, Mahershala helped to get it to her. I had an amazing conversation with her and she signed up and then that was the the center of the whole film because it really is all about that, that central relationship and then we went from there i think um vicky thomas our brilliant uh casting director um our very first meeting she was like what about aquafina for kate and i was like wow that's that's a really interesting choice because i'd seen her in um the farewell which i thought was a masterpiece and i thought she was phenomenal in that so i was really interested in in uh, Aquafina for that, and then um, and then Glenn again. It was one of those like to get Glenn close in the film. I, I it was one of those things. Where I just was like, there's no way we could get her in. But again, I think Mahershala and I think having Naomi on at that point too was really helpful. And then we just again we had just a really great Zoom, and she had brilliant ideas for the character and how to flesh out the character a bit more. And it really made the script a lot stronger. So I did a rewrite, got it back to to Glenn, and she signed on. And that was it, really. It was just it was a bit of a it was kind of a dream process for your first film to to sort of have as hassle free a casting process as that. But it really did center around Mahershala and the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, this is really he's in every sing, single film sometimes as, as himself playing both roles. So, uh, yeah, it was yeah, that was kind of that was uh, the, the casting process. I was even just getting starstruck, just trying to bring up the topic of the casting process. I could only imagine how that whole thing was. And it's so great that he was kind of the first piece of the puzzle. And and it is so important, I think, to have people around you. I mean, when they're a big star, it really helps. But to have people around you who just really believe in you and believe in the project, because I imagine when you're so in it yourself, sometimes you can dip in and out of like, oh God, what am I doing? Or, you know, is this right? Or it was, but when you have people around you like that, who are like helping driving it and really believe in it, that's just, well, what a dream. That's just so gorgeous. And what a challenge he had to play two parts. And like, not even two separate characters that nearly would have been easier like two of himself but both having different wants and different needs and you know one has weeks to live and the other one is kind of waiting for permission to live and so what like what was Marshall has approach to this and like did you guys workshop stuff before or was it just kind of straight in and see what happens 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I like a huge breakthrough in the writing process of this film was when I realized about when I really stepped into Jack's shoes, into the clown's shoes or the duplicate shoes and, and started to realize what an interesting character he could actually be and how three dimensional he could be. And you just mentioned the, 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 the different, the context or the stakes that they're facing. You know, one has got a few weeks to live and the other is suddenly not sick, but you know, and has everything ahead of him, but he's got this barrier of himself there. And he knows he doesn't believe himself, doesn't believe in him fully and can't fully, you know, believe in it. So it's just a really interesting um, two character thing. And so that was a big breakthrough. And then bringing that through and speaking with Mahershala about it, you know, um, it was, I remember really early on, one of our first meetings where we started to actually dig into the script and the character um, he started speaking, it was amazing because he, he, he spoke about like, well, what, you know, based on the fact that Cameron kind of has the weight of the world on his shoulders and he's just been like facing this really horrible thing for a while, I think his, his lungs might be a little bit tighter than Jack's, you know, like in a totally subtle way, like it's not like he's going to start suddenly doing this totally different voice or anything, but just that the lungs are tighter and I'd being such a fan of Mahershala's physicality and his performances, you know, I think he finds it's just incredible how almost chameleon-like he can be, you know, whether it's in True Detective, finding the different, you know, the different ages of that character or, you know, Juan in, in Moonlight, like how he, 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 you know, held himself or um, as Don Shirley in, in, um, in Green Book, it's incredible how he, how his spine and his physicality changes. So, I got really excited as I started to hear him speak about how he might approach some of those things. And then as we as we went through, you know, it was always we always wanted to do it in a way where unlike a lot of kind of clone or twinning films, there's a very uh, clear uh, identifier, you know, between one character and the other. It could be something, you know, uh, some facial difference or hair or whatever it is. We the very point of Swan Song is that they're completely and utterly identical. They do wear different um, different uh, clothes in in the facility, but you know, we wanted it to be where actually the whole point of it was, was that they were really similar. And so he had to find the the difference in the internal world of the characters. Um, and I just thought how he how he managed to pull that off was was incredible. You know, we were I remember um, with the wonderful Nathan Nugent um, as our editor um, and he I remember early on in the edit, we were just we'd sort of sit there marveling at like how we just knew straight away which character was which by the subtleties that Mahershala was bringing to the different performances and Look, I think you you when you when you write a part like that and you you plan it and all you you do you're taking somewhat of a risk, you know, and 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 there, you do have to be a little bit brave and say, no, we trust in this. And what you need really to to carry that off is is a, an actor of Mahershala's caliber who can can do that and and for it to be subtle enough, but for it to still read. So that was just it was a great it was just a really really brilliant part of the whole thing to to watch how he navigated that. Amazing. And Rebecca, am I right in saying that um, COVID affected the shoot initially? What was that like as a producer kind of dealing with that? And well, actually, initially it didn't. Initially, initially we were OK. Um, it was coming. It was in Europe, um, but we didn't really realise. And we were in Vancouver um, it was Feb because it was February when we got to Vancouver. Um, and then it was March the 12th when our when the production was, sh was shut down. So we had a bit of a run, just, I mean, just less than a month. Um, oh, you had already started shooting? 
when we hadn't started shooting we were prepping okay um so uh and then so march 12th it shut down but actually you know it it, it worked out well for us in terms of um uh we had a lot of work to do right so that gave us extra time uh one of the most important jobs that you know ben was able to do because of the additional time we had was he, he was able to storyboard the entire movie which is definitely not something we would have had the time to do had it not been delayed um and you know we kept working throughout the the, the period that um that we were uh that we were technically you know like down on like you know um apple very kindly kept some of the art department going and so mainly the hod's and myself and ben the producers we kept working throughout that time and so it really kind of worked and it wasn't ideal obviously and um you know if we could we could change it we would um but you know it did work in our favor in terms of the prep um because we were definitely more prepared like we were supposed to initially shoot in may and then we didn't actually shoot till november so it allowed us to get quite a bit of work done. Um, and did you uh, come across any other kind of problems along the way, kind of production problems along the way that like you wouldn't have expected or did it feel quite smooth after having had been able to have so much prep? Um, there's always going to be problems along the way and it's just about solving them and moving on together as a team. And we were, we were a really good team. We had great producers. Ben was phenomenal. Um, I'm slightly biased, but I think anyone else on the team would say it was like he'd done it a hundred times before, you know, um, he was a great kind of captain of our, uh, of our ship. And we were, you know, when you're in that situation uh, on a professional level, you just get on with it on a personal level. It's quite hard, right? Cause you're on the other side of the world. You're there for longer than expected. You're in a bubble. You have to be very conscientious of the people around you. You know, we weren't in a position where we could be like going off to uh, meet friends and uh, go to restaurants and stuff like that. We really, we were getting tested all the time. You know, every two or three days we were getting tested and, um, you know, it was quite regimented. Apple were phenomenal in terms of the protection that we had. Um, and we had an incredible COVID team and we all adhered to the to the rules and we got through it um, by being a kind of united front. But, you know, it was it was definitely challenging. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, in regards to kind of any any bumps along the way, there's always bumps. Um, I won't air any dirty laundry, but we got past everything. And, and, and you know, everyone, it was just it was really an amazing team. I was actually saying. Uh, to someone earlier today, I would go back to um to Vancouver in a heartbeat and shoot there again. You know, they were. Uh, I mean, for both of you, for your first feature, to do your first feature during a pandemic on the other side of the world. I mean, it's it's just so impressive. It really is. And like Ben, it's like you were way. saying, yeah. Sorry, go on, Rebecca. No, I was just gonna say it's good in a way. Like I'm always a fan of um being thrown in the deep end. You know, because you learn a lot. It's not ideal at the time, obviously, mm. but. You learn so much and we learned a lot and you know we'll take that with us into the next absolutely and i think ben you were saying earlier how you know you were quite precious feels like the wrong wrong word but in regards to you know bringing it to to big companies like apple because you didn't want it to change in regards to it turning into a big action or a big sci-fi kind of film because one thing that i really love about swan song is that it is set in the future you know with it's kind of self-driving cars and you know it can be seen in a way as a sci-fi but it really actually doesn't feel too futuristic or like it's in a sci-fi genre it just feels like a human story so was that a really kind of conscious decision that the fact that it's in the future is really just 
to kind of allow the the kind of future way of thinking and that you didn't want it to be kind of too that kind of polished sci-fi kind of futuristic feel you just wanted it to be more relatable 100 percent, yeah that was one of the biggest things about it for me uh was that we knew what the film was you know from early drafts of the script uh we knew it was never going to veer you know into that other sort of genre space I think that the the genre was useful for us because you know for me writing it and then making it it was like I knew that I could I could lean into some of those genre elements as a sort of tension keeping device let's say and know about the you know the historical kind of effect or or whatever you want to call it of those films you know like that where the I mean I don't want to give away too many spoilers, so I'm trying to say this without, you know, doing that. But just the idea that you know you can you can you can dip into genre and know what the audience brings to a film and use that as a device. I think, um, so that was useful. But knowing the identity of what a film is is just really important because you can then have a vision that people can rally around and know that it's clear. And I think that was one of the things like with Anonymous initially, who were also just so great at supporting that. And then with Apple, it was like, this is the script. It's pretty clear in the script. And then when I talk about it, the stuff that you just spoke about there, about the aesthetics of the film and how we kept it grounded um, and the sci-fi never took over, all of those things everybody got on board with because they knew it, at its heart, this was just about the relationships and about the human drama at the center of it. And that actually it would have felt out a step to veer into something that, you know, pushed too hard into that genre or started to pull the curtain back on the science and everything. Like, you know, some people are going to watch this film and be disappointed because it isn't a Black Mirror episode or it isn't Ex Machina. You know, um, th there are things that I absolutely love, but this film just isn't that. And so people, some people will go in with an expectation and want it to be something else, but it was just never, it was never going to be that. I think like what you do with, um, with, with the design of a world and the world building um, in this case is you need to give enough world building so that the authenticity of the world is there and the audience feel like they're in good hands in that sense and that they can buy into the fact that we're 20 years or so into the future and that this kind of technology might exist so you do need to be aware of like that sort of tipping point um and so you know the touches that we we did including the film the self-driving cars uh, the augmented reality sort of uh, communication systems and the video game and things like that they're there to make sure that we do buy into it but whenever we felt like it was veering too far or we didn't need more touches of the future in it, we would pull back. And also in all the aesthetic decisions, it was always about trying to keep it minimal and understated. You know, Annie Beecham, our incredible production designer, um, and um, and Michael, our, our excellent uh, art director, um, were just great at sort of supporting that and saying well where how can we make it minimal how can we make it not flashy and not feel like other sci-fi films that we've seen so it was really nice to actually to have everybody jump into that and, and be you know pulling in the same direction and know why we were pulling in that direction together you know and as you said there about kind of feeling like you're there the which brings me on to brings me on to the gorgeous moments that we kind of visit along the way of all of their memories in the past you know the kind of montages and the vignettes or that nearly felt like I don't know I imagine you maybe had to felt like you were nearly shooting another film on top of the one that you were because there was just so many even if they're only split seconds but I imagine 
you obviously spent the time and and you know really took care of, of each memory that you were creating was that all scripted or was it improv and like what was the kind of did you want to have a conscious shooting difference in shooting style between the two yeah there's loads to jump into there um so the memories in the film in terms of improv the 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 bigger the sort of the scenes like the opening on the train and things like that were fully scripted but the little snippets of memory that we see as you know the memories are transferred and things like that they were mostly improv or i would roughly script them out um but we we yeah we improv that the, the very first the first day we shot i really fought to get this and it was like a half day shoot where we just did wedding the wedding stuff and it was a full day of improv and I wanted to do that for a number of reasons. One was, you know, to, to allow us as a team and the actors and everybody to just to get used to this vibe that I was going to be trying to create and try to trying to do, which was, you know, sometimes some long improv scenes and taking snippets from them. And on the spot, like sometimes I'd get a little idea and I'd be able to give it to the actors and they'd just come up with the magic then. And, and it was it was great. So that was that was a big part of the whole thing. But it was also for you know, Masanobu, our, our um, wonderful DP, to get into that that vibe of sort of being right there with the actors and, and feel like a participant and make it feel subjective, like how memories kind of feel. Sometimes they look, you know, right down the lens and but often he's just right there almost in a dance with them, I think. And um, I knew that that was going to contrast with with our shooting style for the present day, which was a lot more um, considered and you know slow pushing symmetrical frames um, kind of trying to sort of look at what Cameron was going through and his sort of locked in uh, predicament you know he's really dealing with this very difficult situation where it's a conundrum with no easy answers so I wanted to try and represent that through the how the camera was very sort of considered and, and composed but then for our memories you know I wanted it to be really like free flowing and just the camera to really just sort of dance with them. So that was, that was it. That was the contrast between the two. And I felt also that getting moments of improv for those snippets would also feel really loose and playful. And, and we'd find beautiful moments of truth. And so um, Naomi and Mahershala and the other actors were just phenomenal at finding these moments. We've got so much great stuff that. I was just going to say, I'd nearly watch a film of just all of those. If you could release just footage of Mahershala and Naomi, that would be, I'll watch that, no problem. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We 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 wish we had more um, time to, to go through and find more little bits, but I think what we did find and what made it into the film is, is great. And it hopefully, I, I hoped that it would put, it would, the little bits that you see would paint to a, really full life a much bigger world outside those moments and we'd make that up ourselves like so um yeah it really it really helps the I mean the stakes are already incredibly high but it really just does help because you have such a short space of time to to get your your audience on board and and to fall in love with these characters so they're I just think they work perfectly they're really really gorgeous Rebecca you were saying that um you obviously came on board then kind of more separately with Ben with this other production company so what was that like as a you know a solo producer working with a new big kind of international production company how was the kind of the jump from kind of shorts and that into now this kind of big big feature good question um 
well, I had imposter syndrome, obviously, <laughs> immediately. I was flying over and I was very concerned about kind of my capabilities, but I just figured this is going to be a great learning experience and that I would just um, absorb as much as I could. Um, and uh, that's what I did, you know. Um, it was, and, and it just ended up, we, we ended up becoming a, a team, you know, very, very quickly. And, you know, you, you do, you have that thing when you're starting any job that you have your, you have your doubts. But um, I knew that Ben and I worked a certain way um, and that we would work that way and that everything would be fine in that regard. Um, and then just in terms of the rest of the production, really, honestly, it's just everything is just bigger, right, than commercials and shorts. It's not that it's massively different. It's just on a bigger scale, you know, um, and, uh, you know, it's a journey and very, very quickly. I mean, I think maybe about a month in, I felt very comfortable and it was just about getting the head down. And, you know, there was certain elements of the production that I felt more comfortable in than others. And, you know, for example, for the casting, um, I always found those meetings uh, really interesting and inspiring. And you're hearing names that you never thought you'd be uttering out of your mouth in the context of whether or not they'd be in a movie that you're working on, um, which is really, really exciting. But for, for a lot for a lot of those calls at the beginning, you know, I stayed quite quiet. I was just like, you know, because I hadn't gone through that process before at this level. Um, and then, you know, then there was other areas like, you know, scouts and locations and, you know, set bills and studios and, you know, you'd be, we'd be talking about post early on, visual effects, you know, like those elements I felt more comfortable with, even though they were on uh, visual effects in particular, a, a much bigger level than anything I had experienced before. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you get comfortable within your environment and then you just go for it. Right. Ben, can I jump in just add yeah. this because Rebecca's being modest here but you know Rebecca came in as a co-producer you know and, and joined um, the show and she worked her way up to you know EP and then all the way up to full producer you know to become you know a full producer on the film and um, however many months it was into it and to be one of the most vital people working on the entire film you know and all the way through to post and you know, really just um, but the the producer on the ground back in Ireland, you know, and so it was just it was amazing. It was it was so brilliant to see, um, you know, how you just came in and, and very quickly just worked your way up. I think it was just it was phenomenal. I just wanted to say that because you're being honest, <laughs> but it was brilliant. I think I'd say, Ben, as well for you, it must have been nice to have because you guys have worked together before to have that shorthand with Rebecca. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes maybe big production companies can be kind of quite scary or quite, you know, who, who am I getting in touch with? Whereas the fact that you had Rebecca there, I'd say, was uh, was quite nice to have that along the process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. And it was, you know, we anonymous are, are brilliant and all the people in there are amazing. So we got really lucky, like our partners were great. And, um, and everybody else, you know, um, Jonathan King, Mimi Valdez, like all of our producers, actually, we just had a great team. So yeah. that was lovely. Um, and but yeah, but having Rebecca there, I think even like just we both because it was so crazy and you're stepping onto set and there's like 200 people and all these trucks and big stars. It was just, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're like, wow, this is crazy. But to have to have a mate there, even just, you know, like literally just I think both of us just as friends to go through that with exactly. a friend like aside from the fact that we were working together every day and that whole thing was so great you know and to have Rebecca there 
on my you know by my side and and for us to be talking through all the things that you do on a day-to-day but actually just to stand there sometimes on set or whatever and be like this is nuts like that was that was a great thing and you know I think that was actually for both of us I, I would say um Rebecca I know we've kind of spoke about this but yeah that was just infinitely use, useful I think too yeah it was amazing it was amazing and like there's a there's a few moments that stand out for me but like one in particular was when we like went right before well it was before COVID hit and I just arrived in Vancouver and we used to have these meetings and we we're in the studio um and like I was even like taken and starstruck by the studio I was like wow look at this there's nothing kind of on this level um in in Ireland and uh we went into this meeting room and there was a long table and loads of people came in and like Ben had Ben had obviously been on the ground and I mean like on the ground in the US for much longer than me we were obviously up in Vancouver now so he was kind of used to these big meetings but for me you know we were sitting in there and there was a lot of people in the room you know there was maybe about 30 people there and he was sitting at the top of the table and I was like breaking it for him I was like oh my god like (laughs) is he gonna cope here And, and it was amazing just watching him you know taking the reins it was kind of and um, pretty inspiring I was like okay right let's do this you know um, and and there was a lot of those moments along the way like I vividly remember him you know walking into the studio for the first time right and like this is like we're about to have this incredibly massive set built into this studio and I remember you walking in Ben I was thinking like I think this is his first like studio shoot like and this is going to be his like first set build like and it is it was just enormous right like so the whole when Mahershala and Glenn walk down the stairs this is not a spoiler because it's early on but when they walk down the stairs you know where in the facility and um, that's all a build from the moment they walk wow. through the stairs all the way down all the way through that's all Annie Beecham and Michael Diners uh, and and obviously Ben's work of art um, set so because I was going to ask about like the recce obviously you were saying you shot in Canada because the scenery is just so beautiful but actually so much of that the inside is all set design and set built that's so impressive that's yeah, very 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 cool but as like Rebecca as you said like the way you learn is just throwing yourself in and just getting stuck in and learning along the way um, and Ben, for you with this first feature, what do you think you'll take from this onto, onto your next projects? Like kind of what was the main difference, obviously, other than the scale, what was kind of the main difference or was there any um, from shooting shorts to, uh, to features? Well, one thing I'll say is don't put your movie 20 years in the future. <laughs> an absolute nightmare no it was uh it was you know I think it's just to yeah to echo what you're saying I think you ju- if you jump in at the deep end it's really really difficult at the start and but you but you you take I, I've taken good confidence from it I think you know I feel more confident going in uh to my next one which is lovely it builds a bit of a confidence builder I think um but yeah, the difference between the shorts and the feature, I think like what Rebecca was saying, it's, it is, there, it really does transpose up quite nicely. It's just much bigger. The pressure in this film was, was really huge. I think it, 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 was, it got much bigger than I, I was thinking at the start, you know, when I was started writing it, like, oh, let's try and make a 5 million, you know, small feature. You know, I wasn't thinking we'd get stars or any of that kind of stuff. So it it really mushroomed into something I had never thought it was going to. But but the, the same things do apply. The pressure I felt with Stutterer and um, my short, um, 
like was kind of similar because I hadn't done anything back then. And so it was like, it felt at the time, like it was huge. I put, I put like every penny I had on, the, you know, in the world into it and just had never done anything. So it was like, I don't know, it, it, it sort of does transpose up and the things you learn by jumping into deep end, making a short does, does carry through. I, I think like, well, it's directing's weird because you, you, you don't get on set much. Like I hadn't been on set for six years or something. And I'd only ever been on set 15 times or something in my life. So it was a real learning on the on the job type thing for me. Um, but we shot for about 50 days and, you know, a few days in, you you feel like you've got a good handle on it. Um, and then you just keep learning, I think. Um, also, like, sorry, just to jump in as well, because this is important for any kind of filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers that are listening. It's like you know, he is the king of prep, right? His attention to detail is second to none, but his he is the biggest uh, prepper I've ever met in my life. Um, and, you know, takes so much time. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of filmmakers out there at the moment, and I totally appreciate, you know, the want to get your, uh, your films and your content out there. But um, rushing is never a good idea you know take your time I know it can be painful I know you want to be at the races I know you want everyone to see your work I know you want to get established and so on um, but if you take the hit on the time front you'll progress so much faster you know and like Ben was writing for years so like before we started working as a, a you know producer and director you know, he was writing these scripts and we had a production company called Tidal and we used to be reading these scripts being like these are amazing you should be directing you know and then you know he decided eventually to direct and he took his time and he crafted stutter so carefully and you know so perfectly that he won himself an oscar you know it's it's a it's a, such a beautiful story and it's the same thing with all your work ben you don't rush you prep and so you may not have been on set for years and you might have only been on set x number of times but you were so prepared that everybody all these season pros around him felt very very safe in his hands and I don't think anyone was questioning we were like sure Ben and like you know anything you want let's do this you know within financial reason um, but you know um yeah that's the producer, the producer coming at me there I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 so true like prep is it's it's king and like I think as well in the times that we're in because everything feels so fast as well, there is that kind of pressure of, uh, you know, these and the standards are just rising and rising. You know what I mean? So I think that is a really, really good point to just take a breath and take a step and just make sure you're doing it at your own pace and not to say everyone else's or what you feel like the correct pace or where you should be, you know. And so take I your time as well, because it's such an investment to your crew and your producers and you all go through such a rig. Like, I mean, even if, it, if it's a short, if it's a commercial, no matter what it is, everybody has invested in that and everybody's worked really, really hard. So, you know, you see Ben sitting here or me sitting here, or we're referencing the producers and the HODs there was a crew of 200 beyond that that worked so so hard over the months that we were we were shooting um, and the lead up to it and like you're it's it's their movie too you know mm. well it's definitely getting its recognition I mean uh, everyone is talking about it everyone that I talk to is talking talking about it and seeing it and loves it but I did want to go back really briefly because I wanted to, I really wanted to ask Ben when you were shooting um Cameron and Jack scenes did you shoot them 
where you kind of switched back and forth or did you kind of do all of Cameron and then all of Jack or what was what was that process like because I imagine for Marshall it was like you know obviously he's playing two different people so I had to kind of tap in and out of those two I imagine must have been seriously challenging yeah that was a that was a massive thing for him to get through and how he did it I mean it was it was kind of amazing but the the general way we do it would be to try to not have back and forth wherever possible that wasn't always possible we'd always try and shoot out one side first wherever we could you pick the character who's leading the scene that would tend to be um Cameron a few times Jack and so that would be how you'd start it out we'd we had a, a great double Shane Dean who was acting across from Mahershala and we'd we'd start out with kind of blocking you know rehearsals and we'd start to find Mahershala would start to ask Shane for things that he think thought he might do and we'd start to get it on its feet a bit and, and find a bit of a rhythm for the scene and he'd be thinking ahead to things he might do you know as Jack if he's Cameron um, and so that was kind of the the starting point we'd, we'd have a bit of an idea about how it was going to play out and then we'd we'd start to shoot his coverage on that side um, we'd shoot all that out and then we'd we'd flip over now a thing that I found that was really useful was that what I do is I take the audio from what Mahershala had done as Cameron um, and I play that back for him as when he when he went to be Jack. And actually, that was a great breakthrough. And when, when we started doing that, because it really preserved the kind of cadence and rhythm of his performance. And Mahershala's got such an amazing sort of rhythm, you know, it's like so. So that was really great. So Shane would be there across from him, but he'd be hearing his own audio. And sometimes I'd, you know, mix up the takes a little bit to, to keep it fresh for him. So we'd be getting different um, reads, but it was, it was um, that was a really great part of it. And then I suppose technically there's, you know, we tried to be as simple as we could. Myself and Massa, our DP would, would always, the, the litmus test was, you know, how would we shoot this? We actually had two actors. And if we ever thought we were kind of, showing off or whatever for the, the sake of it we 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 chop it um i think early on when you're shooting to one character for two one actor for two you need to you do need to sell it so there's a few shots early on where we where we sort of you know in that that first shot we see him i guess it's not really a, much of a spoiler but you know we bring him in on steady cam and then we pan over and, and reveal jack and there's shots like that where i wanted it to feel you know like we weren't hiding away or we were being safe because I wanted the audience to just you know dissolve into believing that oh there's two of them, you know so you do have to you do have to get to that point of kind of feeling the authenticity of it but then after that we tried to be as simple as we could it was often just locked off um you know shots um split screens um we didn't use motion control at all in the film once once we used a, a repeatable head and um, that was once for the dog shot which was kind of a which was a crazy one to try and time out I was there sitting behind the camera like you know trying to time it out like I'd be like you know okay and dog I was like saying dog barks and all this it was a crazy timing thing and the repeatable head but we tried to keep it as untechnical as possible and that was really because of the content of the scenes you know I knew that Mahershala was going to these really difficult places as Cameron and Jack so I didn't want him to have to wait around for 40 minutes as we tried to get motion control to to behave or whatever which is often the case so that was um 
yeah, I think that's hopefully um, answering um, uh, most of that. Is that the kind of It thing? has, and it's just made it even more impressive. I didn't think we could get there, but it has. It does. It it did. It just felt so smooth because for for such a kind of bumpy ride that he's on, the the whole film is just it's such a smooth watch, and it's it's really really beautiful, beautifully done. So congratulations both of you on a really gorgeous film, and I know it's still traveling and the success is still building. Ben, you usually you've written and directed a lot of stuff. And do you think that's kind of the format you're you're going to kind of continue on? Or do you, are you open to just writing something and someone else directing it or just directing something? Or what does that look like, do you think? Yeah, both, actually. I'm kind of developing a few things at the moment and I wouldn't be able to direct them all. So, yeah, I guess I will be I will be um, doing the more kind of writing, maybe producing of those ones. Um, but, yeah, I think I think probably with features I'm going to be trying to do it where I find a project that I've written myself or 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 that someone else has you know has written if the script landed in my lap that I loved I don't need to write it at all I mean great half the work's done uh you know so I would do that but yeah so that but but I think there's definitely a world where I've, I, I am definitely developing stuff at the moment some tv stuff that um I don't plan on on directing um so yeah it's fun though it's great getting back into this after so many years being so immersed in one project my brain is just like loving it you know so amazing well we look forward to hearing all of the future projects thank you both so much for coming on to chat to me I really really do appreciate it but as we are a little film podcast I did want to ask I'm going to start asking everyone now in our season two of the podcast if either of you had you can answer both or just one if either of you had a film that has impacted your life in some way and also what is your favorite Irish film so Rebecca I'll go with you first Okay, um, a film that's impacted me, uh, probably Cinema Paradiso. It's a tough one for me. There's loads of ones I want to say, you know, Magnolia, Birdman, you know, there's there's loads, but, um, and also The Big Lebowski. I've had this just so many films that have influenced me, but Cinema Paradiso um, is, uh, is very close to my heart. And then Irish-wise, I, I have to say this, it's an Irish director, um, so it wasn't it wasn't actually shot in Ireland, but um Maudie. I don't know if you ever saw Maudie uh mm. by Ashing Walsh. Like that, you know, that movie uh is just absolutely phenomenal. I loved it, loved it. Um and uh in Ireland, um probably my left foot. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh no! Don't you worry. If there's any <laughs> anyone connected that's Irish, it's an Irish film. We're okay, gonna well, we're gonna claim. Right. We're gonna claim. Well, then Maudie, Maudie and my left foot. And again, there's a load of Irish films as well. I'd be here for ages. I'm like, you know, of course, of course. And Ben, what about you? Um, film that affect me, I suppose. Um, uh, Eternal Sunshine, maybe Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. There's again, there's loads of films, but I suppose that one. Um, I just, there was films I saw growing up um, that just the imagination in them really appealed to me for whatever reason and, and sort of um, m- m- sort of gelled with my own sort of things that I've been scribbling on, you know, in notebooks and stuff for years. So I was kind of really inspired by that kind of thing. Um, 
And then Irish, um, I think, I mean, all of Lenny Abramson's films probably, because they're just so great. Um, In the Name of the Father as well, though. I think In mm. the Name of the Father was just, yeah, superb. Um, Amazing. It Maudie, is a tough... Way, well, I forgot about Maudie. Yeah, I remember you sending that to me at the time, Rebecca. I loved that movie. Yeah, it's great. I loved it. I loved it. It should have gotten a lot more uh, attention and recognition than it did. I mean, I, like... I was a huge, I saw Ashling Walsh at the IFTAs and I was just like, you, you know, she, and she got the IFTA and she deserved it. Um, and she deserved, you know, a lot more recognition beyond that. I mean, it was just a phenomenal film, phenomenal film. Well, if anyone who's listening hasn't seen it, definitely add it to the list, which I think this is is why as well I, lo- I love asking people their favourite Irish film because there are so many that I think just slipped under the radar. You know, there's so many that you say and people say, oh, I haven't seen it. So definitely do and look that up. And it is a tough question. I didn't want to ask favourite film because I think that's just a ridiculous question. But there is always sometimes some films where, you know, you just it, they hit differently or they spark something or, or something like that. So thank Thank you both so much. I'm surprised say. you didn't say no country, Ben. I was like, I actually left no country off because I was like, Ben's going to say no country. So, <laughs> well, it's it's that thing of like favorite versus something that changed. But yeah, like I mean, yeah, fair enough. No country, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know? But yeah. Um, Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We should have done this at the start. (laughs) Thanks a million, guys. And at Irish from London, we wish you both the best with all of your future successes. Hopefully, we'll have you on again. And uh, have a great week, and we'll chat to you very soon. Cheers. Thanks, 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 guys. Bye. And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you've really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.